Ladies and gentlemen, we're shoveling. This is the growing season, brought to you by News Talks on 960 AM. I'm one of three McFarlands. I happen to be Matthew, a.k.a. Matt, but mostly Matthew when I'm in trouble. And I'm pleased as peaches to be joined by Mom and Dad, John Francis James and Lynn Marie, a.k.a. the people that created me. Guys, how are you? Matthew, I'm doing wonderful. Yeah, I'm doing wonderful, too. Audience, we are, we've are we elevated our game here. I know that with all of the restrictions now, with regards to uh, what you can and cannot do with regards to COVID, we have uh, been on phone lines the last couple of weeks, but we're trying to use FaceTime audio here. Hopefully, everybody hears a difference in sound. We are just trying to get it as close to wonderful, beautiful microphone sounds as humanly possible. This week, we are going to keep it weird. In fact, this was a almost like an audible at the line. We were going to go one direction with the show, and then we had a bunch of a bunch of trees that that are kind of in the weird zone. And we thought, wait a second, what about if we dive deeper into the weirdness? And man, the things that we unearthed. Dad, mom, is this some of the weirdest stuff you've ever heard? Well, at least the weirdest trees that I've ever heard, Matthew. Right. Yeah, some pretty strange ones out there. Yeah, now, as far as the weirdest that you've ever heard, you happen to spend multiple times a week with one, so, you know. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so we're going to be chatting. We're actually calling this show Untreelievable because there are some trees, and we're going to save the real doozies until the very end of segment two, but there are some things that you just simply would not believe Even if you're a cursory horticulture fan, this is going to be wonderful for the trivia questions at parties when we inevitably are able to have parties again. She's Lynn. He's Jack. I'm Matt. Let's get untreelievable right here on News Talk. It's like a 960 AM. Lock us in. We are the growing season. We are back. The growing season on News Talks, like on 9.60 a.m. As I made mention, I'm Matt. She's Lynn. He's Jack. We are the McFarlands. And again, at a, at a distance, hopefully this is the last time or the last chunk of time that we will have to be at a distance. Hopefully the next time that um, we are forced to be at a distance, it's something different. Maybe a cataclysmic asteroid, but <laughs> let's keep the COVID thing away. Let's all get vaccinated. Mom and Dad, how has the week treated you? So Matt, I, you, your mom and I have just celebrated our forty-sixth wedding anniversary. Forty-six? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I knew it was in the forties. Actually, I thought it was forty-four. Okay, but so forty-six, which means now you guys got married young. You guys got married what? You were twenty-one. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I was almost twenty-two. I'm older than him, so I'm the boss. <laughs> yeah. Well. She robbed the cradle. She She robbed the cradle. cradle. I'm older by four months. Yeah. Yeah. So then I guess the the inevitable question, and I know, I know your history because I lived it, but what's the, what's the secret? 46 years, sorry, 47, you said? 46. So, okay. 46. That's a, that's a monumental achievement. What's the secret? I think we're Matthew that after 46 years, we're still in love with each other. I think that's a big thing. Mom? Probably even more. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think also, it, it, you know, it's wonderful to be lovers, but it's also good to be friends too. I mean, uh, your dad is also my best friend. Yeah. Which and is, which he is has cool. to put up with me. <laughs> yeah. And for our audience, again, I, I, I have the, I have the window inside here. I'm, I'm, I'm able to see this, this little, Union uh, at its finest and at its and at its not so finest. And my parents, there were some bumps in the road, not necessarily marriage wise, but when it came to careers and finances and everything there, my parents had their fair share of trials and tribulations. And the one thing that I always remember you guys saying is that the like the the time that you know the times that you know that that you should be together are not the good times. It's the bad times, right? And you guys always seem to get together as a team when things got kind of rough, which is which is really cool because there are many people that don't. And in fact, the situation that you know we are in right now, when it comes to COVID, they're saying that the divorce rates have skyrocketed, and it's because there is no me time, you time. 
it's always us time. And yet you guys, you guys are both retired. Now I'm keeping you busy, but you guys are around each other a lot. Is there any danger of divorce happening here? <laughs> no, no, Matthew. Do you know what? No. You, uh, you happen to keep us super busy, uh, especially with all this radio stuff, Matt. So, no, life has been not what I would consider boring. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, our life story probably somewhat would make an interesting TV movie of the week type yeah. thing. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah, at some point, we will get into it a little bit more, but there's been some really interesting stuff. Speaking of interesting stuff, okay. We were going to do half a show on weird trees and then another half of the show on resins, which I was pretty excited about resins. And then mom and dad began doing the research for it. And they're like, you know what, man? This resins thing is kind of dry. Super dry. Yeah, yeah. We need to find something else. So dad goes, all right, well, let's go and dig deeper into the weird stuff. So I literally Googled the weirdest trees on earth. And this stuff that I came across and then I began to forward it off to mom and dad coupled with the stuff that they had already come across. We were like, okay, this absolutely totally works. Ladies and gents, we recommend that you use show bits for this show. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on show bits. Trust me. Absolutely. Trust me. There is so much bonkersness that, that you're about to hear that you want to have the visual accompaniment. Okay. Especially the last couple that we're going to be chatting in, you know, the 45th minute of the show, you are going to want to have show bits for this. Guys, we're starting in Oracaria, correct? Yes, Matthew. And there's the yeah, lag like alert right do, there. Look at sure. That. And, and let's do, uh, we'll do Oracaria heterophylla and we'll do Oracaria oricana if we can. Woo. Okay. Oh, all these. Now, all is that, now, contrary, Dad, is there any truth to the rumor that uh, or, uh, Oracaria oricana was named after the actor James Conn? Absolutely, one hundred percent. No. Oh, all right. <laughs> Oracaria has been around longer than James Con. How about no? Wait a second. How about the Star Wars character Con? Was it named after him? Uh, and again, no. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the people Matt, naming it were stupid because they they completely missed an opportunity for sure. I get it, Maddie. I I'll let you choose. You can pick either Norfolk Island pine or you can pick monkey puzzle tree. Holy. Okay, we've touched a little bit on Norfolk Island Pine a little bit in the past, but let's, you know what, let's get that one out of the way first, and then I want to get into Monkey Puzzle Tree. Dad, Monkey Puzzle Tree is the one that, there the the myth and the lore surrounding this is that the monkey wouldn't know how to climb it, correct? Uh, yeah, basically. I'm telling the, the actual historical reference. Well, in the 1850s, this fellow in Cornwall, now he must have been like a lord or something, he must have owned a fair bit of land and had an estate because he had a monkey puzzle. He had a, this weird tree growing on his property and he had some friends to visit and he took them out to see the tree and the friends, the one friend looked at it and he says, you know what, this is a really weird looking tree. It, it would definitely puzzle a monkey to climb it and that's where the name come from. Now there's a weird superstition in England about this tree. Uh, folklore says that the devil hides, sits in this tree, and when you uh, walk by the tree, be very quiet. You don't want the devil to know that you're nearby, because if you're noisy and the devil knows you're there, you may, he may, it may put a spell on you. You may be in for three years of bad luck, so you don't want that. <laughs> Kind of like lately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lately. You know what? Somebody, somebody must have walked under by that tree and been noisy like in 2018 because we've had a real run of bad luck. I was going to say, that's exactly what happened here. This, all of this has to do with somebody, somebody was messing with the monkey puzzle tree. Okay, so I was going to say, let's do... No, let's, let's segue. We might as well segue into it. We're already yeah, there, right? Exactly. Matt? Yep. Go for it, Dad. Okay, so uh, Matt, the Oracari or the monkey puzzle tree... It's been on Earth for about 180 million years, so it's been around for a very long time, Matt. Now, it's not necessarily as old as you guys, but it's close, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I actually remember standing by one. Okay. Really? No. <laughs> so, Maddie, would you consider this actually a pine? No. Why? Because it's not a member of the Pinus family. You're right. It's an Oracaceae family, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Matt... They, but they Dad, hold on have... a second. Hold on, Pops. But this is, okay, is this the same as, um, 
Oh, Sudosuga Menziglauka? Oh, that's more like a cousin to the fur. I right. would say it's, it's kind of close, Matthew. Because Jack- the Douglas fur looks like a pine, kind of, right? It has a bit more of a pine look than it does a fur look. Sure. Jack, would the monkey puzzle tree be cousin to Norfolk Island pine? Yeah. Well, they're all Arcasey, so sure. Yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. So, but, yes, but Maddie, not, anyways, not an actual pine. Yes. Not an actual pine, but they do have the whorls that go up like a pine does. Or yep. Okay. Uh, they have an open area habitat kind of thing going on. And they both have male and female cones on, on either uh, on the same tree, right? And they're mononaceous, right? No, that would be um, dioaceous. No, they're monoaceous. Monoaceous would have... Dioaceous would be two houses, Matthew. So that would be right. from the Greek, meaning two households. Okay, so right. No, well, say, uh, according to what I see, it says they're dioaceous, so two households. So male and female on, on separate, separate trees. trees. Remember, it isn't a pine, Matthew. Okay. Right. Yes. So a pine would have the male and the female. So the male would be on the bottom, and the female would be on the top, and the, the males are on the bottom, so that the they don't have kind of like cross, uh, like having strange other. Trees growing on other pines yeah, so, and spruces. So that would be considered monoecious if it was male monoecious. and female on the same. Yeah. Okay. But the yeah. idea is, Matthew, they don't want to have. Uh, so the reason why the males are on the bottom is so that when wind comes along and blows the pollen around, the idea is that you don't want to blow the pollen on the, the cones at the top of the tree, which is at the apex of the tree, and that's a female. Okay? Gotcha. Okay. But, Matt, uh, because they're basically uh, the. Uh, a monkey puzzle tree is so bizarre looking. Uh, what's unusual about it, Matt, is generally speaking, if you think of a, a pine or a spruce or something like that, they would have these thick triangular scale-like leaves going on or, or needles, right? Yep. But atypically, you would find that a, a pine would change out or a spruce would change out any conifer. About every two years, they would change all their needles out. Okay. But the thing on the monkey puzzle tree, Matthew, is they don't change out your needles, say, every two years. It's every 10 to 15 years. So they don't shed it basically at all. Hardly at all, Matthew. The, the, the cones do become mature in the autumn after about one and a half years, say, one pollination takes place. Okay. But after that, Matt, they're on their own and they're, they're off and running. But, Matt, they've been very successful. And if you think about it, they've been, they can live upwards to about a thousand years. Holy jeez, man. So what, whatever they're doing, Matt, they're doing it right because they've seen a lot. They've yeah. seen a lot. Yeah. And, and Matt, because they are dioecious, they are wind pollinated. So that's another interesting thing. And they also have seeds, which, by the way, are quite edible. If a person wants to eat, basically, they're almost like a pine nut kind of idea, even though they're not truly a nut. But uh, Matt, they're, they're very edible. They eat them either raw or cooked, that kind of stuff. They're rich in starch, and they resemble basically about the size of an almond. And they say they do have the flavor of a pine nut. Have you ever had pine nuts? Yeah, Matt? they're fantastic. Like, I've never actually physically taken uh, tasted one. Yeah. No, they're absolutely fantastic. They are the official tree of chili, Matt. That's amazing. Well, okay. Wow. Now, we, we chose the trillium for the official... Oh, no, sorry. What's the... Is the official tree of Canada... Do we know this? Yeah. It's a, it's a rubric. It's our Acer rubrum, isn't is it? Is it sugar maple? Oh, no. Is it a sugar maple or a Canadian red? milk? No, Canadian red, isn't it? All right. Stand by. Hold on a second here. This is now we're getting into grand debate here. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on show bits and you will find out that. Da, 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 da. Okay. Thank you to Google for this. Guess what? The official tree of our lovely country, our socialist country, according to some, is the maple. So you're both right. Look at that. Give ourselves a cookie. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so you're both right. And Matt, the official tree of Ontario is the white pine. Really? Yeah. Okay. And how do you know this? Uh, from research for another show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Again, as I as now, I made again, I could be wrong. No, no, no. I think you're no. right because, and again, as I made mention on last week's show, there's this show. Like you guys should be tuning in. There's this show. It's called The Growing Season. It's great because you learn all this interesting stuff. In fact. We learn now that the Norfolk Island pine, the thing that you can use as a Christmas tree, is related to the monkey puzzle tree. Yes? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cousins. Very much. Okay. So this Norfolk Island pine, first of all, does it have anything to do with Norfolk? 
Uh, actually, it has to do with an island, which is uh, located where, Lenny? It's off the east coast of New Zealand, Norfolk Island. I honestly thought for some reason, for years and years and years, that the Norfolk Island pine was off of uh, was an, on an island off of Virginia called Norfolk Island. I don't know where I got that idea from, but no, it's actually uh, Norfolk Island, the east off the east coast of New Zealand, and it likes to live in zones nine or colder, so subtropical. Really? I yeah, I thought it would be tropical, tropical, but it's not. Okay, so why then, guys? Why has this thing become? one of the chosen, one of the many chosen when it comes to tropical plants. For our audience that, that, that doesn't know, there's a, dad, what, a, a handful, five, six, or seven of these of tropical plants. And all that means is plants that if you're living in the southern Ontario region, you cannot plant these things outside and expect them to make it over the winter due to our, due to our climate here. So if you keep them indoors... That would somewhat simulate what they're used to in their native climate. So, Dad, of these five, and I would say probably snake plants got to be in there. Chafleura's got to be in there. Croton's got to be in there. Corn. No, no, no. no. I'm talking about, yes, corn plant. Yeah. And then Norfolk Island pine has got to be in there. Yes? Sure. And and any of the Dracenas as well, Matt. But, But, Dad, why has this become one of the mainstays as far as tropicals? Why? It's absolutely super easy to take care of. Okay. It's not messy. It requires very little care of any kind. It requires a minimal amount of water because it generally in a pot, it doesn't need a lot of water anyways. But Matt, it, it doesn't need a lot of fertilizer. It doesn't grow quickly. It's easy to take care of in your home. So I think it's one of the best ones out there. Okay. What does it need as far as shade light conditions? It needs a fair bit of light. Okay. It, uh, but I would say, you know, a fair bit is not really a good way of putting it, but you know, in the six-hour-plus range kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Dad, by the way, Dad, there was, speaking of this six-hour-plus range of sunlight, there was a question put forth on one of the gardening groups that we're a part of on Facebook. I forget whether it was Garden Ontario or Ontario Gardeners. I forget. Anyway, it was a, a person that was coming to Roses for the first time, and she was asking about shade light conditions when it came to roses and it was more of a blanket question like you know is there a recommended shade light condition when it comes to roses now i realize that some of the rugosas some of the shrub roses can take a bit more shade but you are consistently telling me that if it flowers profusely or if it fruits profusely it or nuts or seeds okay it needs Six hours plus. Minimum six. That, and that's exactly what I said, which is a wonderful, which is a wonderful, simple way to relay to our audience. So again, if the plant that you are considering planting in, in your flower bed, in your gardens, if it is a profuse flower, fruiter, or, produ- or producer of nuts and berries, it needs minimum six hours. That's that. That's such a great, simple way of saying it. And why is this, Dad? Well, because if you want everything to be functioning properly, that's photosynthesis, so chlorophyll production, and everything else. You've got to be able to give it enough sunlight so it can create its own food. It's getting additional food by when you're doing fertilizing, but you got, as you know, Matt, it makes basically its own food. It takes sunlight, turns it into sugars with carbon dioxide at night and that's how you help basic feeds itself everything else is just a bit to to help it along its way that kind of idea so then explain the hydrangea a hydrangea which is basically salt tolerant as well and it does uh, all these funky flowering times and it also practices fertilization i i tell you matt it's just one of those guys out there we just got to say okay it's there, it does its job, and it does it well. I just don't like planting it on them for the most part. Well, I know, and the issue, with the, but that with that thing, though, it's a profuse bloomer in partial shade. Like, profuse. Yeah, I would say not in total shade. That's the mistake that a lot of people do. Right. Same thing as it would, they would do with, say, your, your uh, rhododendrons and azaleas. They think that because, you know, they've seen them down at Augusta, where they're watching golf get played yeah and they say oh geez they're all look at they're all in shade well they're not okay they're not all in shade if you want a lot of bloom it can't be a lot of shade just take a look at all your your basic uh shade plants that you have growing in in your shady locations around your home you'll notice they don't have nearly as many blooms as the ones in the sun 
and their leaves and their leaves are bigger bigger leaves in order to catch the amount of light okay it's all about the amount of light that they can actually collect in that in that dark environment but maddie this is what's interesting. When it came to Norfolk Island Pine, it was Captain James Cook was responsible back in 1772 to 75, okay? Yeah. So and this what was he his second was, voyage, not his first. Yeah, it was. You're, you've got it. But Matt, what he did was when, when he came to the islands initially, he, he introduced some of these invasive species to the island. So he brought things like pigs, goats, rabbits, and so forth. And what happened, Matthew, especially on Phillip Island, they ended up coming there, Matt, and they literally devastated everything. They destroyed a lot of the, the natural uh, fauna that was, was existing on the islands, and it was all because of these invasive species that were brought there. So, Matt, over the years, they tried to get rid of them. So they tried. So the first thing to go was the pigs, and then the next thing to go was the goats, okay, and that kind of idea. But the hardest thing to get rid of was the bloody rabbits, okay? They, as you know, they reproduce like like stink, okay? Yeah. <laughs> they reproduce like rabbits. <laughs> like rabbits. But, Matt, they tried everything. And back in the 1950s, they introduced something called mixed mitosis. Any idea what that is? Mixed mitosis. Uh, this sounds like it would be something involving the cellular level, yes? Absolutely. So it was called, they introduced into the rabbit system something called myoxoma virus, okay? Now, this is not a pleasant way to do, uh, to attack anything, especially on the biological level, Matt. But what they tried to do is they tried to get rid of them because the populations were so bad that what would happen is even if the plants had started to grow back again, especially the Norfolk Islands and so forth, all the stuff around the base of them, the rabbits would come along and eat it again. So they tried everything. They tried shooting them, capturing them. They brought in a, a, a prey animals to, to hunt them. Foxes. And foxes, actually. And that in the end, they, they did this mixed mitosis. And finally, in 1988, how long ago? What is that? Over 100 years go by, roughly? No, ni- 1988. No, yeah. that was like... 200 years, no, right? No, 1988. Yeah, 200 years. Yes, 200 years of them being on the island. Yes. <laughs> finally, the last rabbit was caught and removed from the island. And now the Norfolk Island pines are now safe today. The, the rabbit population was basically decimated after a number of years when they were doing this mixed mitosis. And you could walk out in fields and you hear crunching sounds oh. from the bones of the rabbits, okay? And I know you say, oh, the poor rabbits and everything. But, Matt, they were devastating all of the natural uh, fauna on the islands and so forth. So they had to go, Matt. Dad, and they were introduced by us. Dad, uh, Lasha Decker in, in Oakville had a squirrel problem and also a woodpecker problem. They, her house, sorry, for our audience, this is one of our, our clients. Her house is stucco. How much damage do you think the woodpecker did to the stucco house? How much? In what, percentage-wise? Or? No, dollar amount. Oh, dollar amount. Well, they can be pretty uh, invasive. I would say $10,000. You got it. 10 Gs, stinking woodpeckers. So what- they were they were they were pecking at the stucco, hoping to find grubs underneath. They were yep. They were pecking at the stucco, and what happened is they pecked at the stucco in and around the chimney area, and then water got all in behind. And once the water got in behind, it damaged walls, and it also damaged behind the stucco, and the stucco began to peel off the wall. Oh my! Stinking woodpecker. A woodpecker would do that. I mean, uh, would they not pick up on the fact that it's not bark or wood and there'd be nothing there for them to I, eat? I, I have no idea. But my point is that, it, like, with the rabbits, too, I, Dad, how many clients have we had that have been like, oh, rabbit damage, right? Japanese maples, they love them. They absolutely well, love them. Well, anything with a sweet bark, right, Matthew? Even the sand cherries and so forth, they're always being eaten. Anything that has the name Prudaceae or uh, Rosaceae or Malaceae, they'll just go so, so uh Apple, uh, anything in the sand cherry family, uh, anything in the rose family. They're very sweet tasting bark. So, Matt, they love them. Yeah. And in the wintertime, it's a great food source, extra calories, and they're happy as anything. Yeah. But, Matt, it, it's a shame. And uh, over the years, various other things have happened, like the new growth on the these Norfolks have, have actually not uh, grown properly and they've died back. And so it slowed down the actual regrowth of these, these various uh, – Forests and so forth, Matthew. But Matt, 
the, it, what is strange about them is they, they will actually, ha- if you take a branch off of them and you try to regrow it, you're going to end up with a branch, okay? You, you have to take part from the center part of the tree itself, okay? Right. But Matt, they grow in rocky soil, sandy soil, that kind of idea, and they, ta- they prefer excellent drainage and full sun. But Matt, over the years, what's happened is they've, logging, has, logging has been a threat to them. Okay, and even land clearance, and so that's why they're becoming a more of a more of a tree that people are going to have to take a look at, and maybe think about protecting it. Maybe going into the red area with it on on uh, in the future to make sure that it's going to go and be a protected tree. This is the Norfolk. This is a Norfolk. Gotcha. Okay, that's perfect. Wonderful place to jump. This is the growing season on News Talk Talk at nine sixty AM. On the other side, we are going to get even stranger. back. This is the growing season on News Talk. So I got 960 AM. Follow along with us using our Showbits uh, function. I guess I could say segment. Our Showbits function. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Showbits. As you as you heard right off the top of the show, you're going to want to lock yourself into that one this time because holy, there is so much going on with regards to various names of plants. I don't even have the absolute count of what we talked about, but it's got to be in the 20s as far as individual horticultural items that we chatted about in segment number one. Mom and Dad, join me. Guys, you wanted to make sure that we touch on mahogany. And this is uh, this is interesting for me as well, because as a drummer, a lot of the drumsticks are made out of mahogany and the drum sets are made out of, out of mahogany. And you're telling me that these things are in danger of going by the wayside of becoming the dodo bird, essentially. Yes. Sure, Matt. And the idea is that they, they consider them almost like if a person was going around and killing elephants for their, for their ivory. The same idea goes with the mahogany trees. And Matt, they, their, their wood is really sought, sought well after. It's used for paneling furniture. People use it for boats. You just mentioned the musical instruments. And yep. there's all sorts of other things, Matt. But back in 2003, they, they passed up. It was basically, they not passed, but they listed it as uh, on the Convention of Trade and Endangered Species, okay? And the idea is, Matt, is they don't, they don't want you cutting these down, and it is actually illegal to cut them down because they are a protected tree. So I just thought it was something that we should bring up, Matt. Now, that said, we, what we've learned is, listen, if you would like to cut down a mahogany tree, all you need to do is you need to become a minister of provincial parliament. And then what happens is you can pretty much do whatever you want, right? Like you can, you can go on vacations when there's a stay-at-home order. In fact, if you become the premier of Ontario, what can happen is you can literally have a press conference and tell all of, your, all of the people watching that they, that they must stay at home and your SUV is in the driveway running waiting for you to go up to your cottage. That's okay. Right? <laughs> Just don't cut down any mahogany Just don't trees. cut down any mahogany no. trees, guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. So why why is the mahogany why is this on the endangered list? You said it's it's you know highly sought after for its for its wood, but you don't hear stuff like black walnut on the endangered list, and that is highly sought after for its wood. I agree, but Matt, they, it's not just the actual fact that they've been used over for centuries and centuries as a, a, a very uh, expensive wood. But the fact is, Matt, they're also uh, subject to some, some sort of fungal disease, and I won't get into it because I'll put everybody to sleep. <laughs> but just uh, just think of it as some, something like witch's broom idea or leaf spot or root rot, that kind okay. of idea, Matt. Gotcha. But, and the idea is it, it is actually also devastating to the tree itself. So... Matt, they, they are amazing trees. They can grow 200 feet high. They, they, don't, they will grow well in a, an acidic soil, but they don't really like an alkaline soil. Okay. They, Matt, are, they are also an evergreen. And they are also an evergreen? Now, the ish, now, here's the thing. My father has never actually planted a mahogany tree, and here's why. Mahogany trees do not like a heavy clay soil. 
And we know my dad's affection. Uh, uh, here it comes. We know my dad's <laughs> affection for planting trees that thrive in heavy clay soils, right? A la the Austrian pine, right? Because he didn't plant anything else but the Austrian pine in the 1980s. <laughs> so, Maddie, I have a good question for you before we move off mahogany. Yeah. So, what pollinates these suckers? Mahogany. Bees? Are these bees? Are these bee pollinated? Bee, bees, as well as I think moths, as well, Matt. Yeah, those two. Moths. Oh, the night, the night shift, and the day shift. The night shift night Both shift. Night yep. Really? Now that my my parents are saying shift. They're not saying something else because that F over the phone can get a little bit um, buried sometimes. So it, so that word was shift. shift. Shift is what they said. But, Matt, you know what? They're, they're salt and drought tolerant, and they, they actually survive well in coastal areas, Matt. So they're an, imp- an important tree to uh, our environment. And I would, you know what, Matt? I honestly think it would be a shame to see them gone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I didn't realize, you know, it, it's interesting because... One of uh, one of my employees is a, is a drummer as well, and he planted his first birch tree for the first time last season. And he goes, "Oh my God, this is the tree that all these drum sets are made out of." And it's funny, I never thought about that, but you're right. And mahogany, when it comes to musical instruments, this is this is one of the main ones. Dad, another one. Now, I don't actually. I've never done any any research on this, but with the ash tree going by the wayside because of the ash borer beetle, ash was used a lot for baseball bats and handles and hand and and I, I believe the was the hockey stick like when they were wooden was that ash I forget but you'd you'd have to wonder all our tool all tool handles Matthew so you'd our, have to wonder like wh- where where are they going what what are they what are they using now that the ash has effectively gone by the wayside I I would wonder. It would have to be something that has flexibility and strength. So I'm not sure off the top of my head, Matt. But Matty, can we move on to a case here for one second? Okay, this is the this is cool. Is this the giraffe tree? Yes, it is. Okay, yes, mom, is. give us mom, give us the give us the lowdown on the giraffe tree. Well, acacia, the name actually means thorny tree in Greek, and it's actually a member of the uh, uh, Fabiaceae family. Wait a minute. Beans? Beans. Yeah, it makes a pod. Okay. So do you know if it's a nitrogen fixer, Lynn? I, I don't know, but you would wonder, eh, if it was a nitrogen fixer. Huh. Okay. And it's been around for two, uh, 20 million years. All right. So... Yeah. But so this is... So why why is this thing... Why is this thing linked to the giraffe? Why? Well, the, the giraffe really, really... Like, it, it's a... Its leaves and flowers are really good for herbivores to eat, but the giraffe has evolved to be able to eat this tree. First of all, its long neck. That's why you see it look like just a trunk and and bare branches and just the leaves on top because the giraffe has been nibbling them. But also, it has thorns on its trunk, and especially when it's young. And the giraffe's mouths have evolved to handle these thorns. Their tongues are long and thick. 45 centimeters or something like that. Yeah, long. And they're blue. Wait a minute. uh, Hold on a second. (laughs) 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 Okay, so is what you're saying is that that giraffe can taste your ice cream cone from across the room? Yeah, watch out. Don't eat ice cream cones near a giraffe. But yeah, they're, and there's they're, a whole host of jokes there with that. That we don't want to touch. Yeah. Their, their tongue, because of the length, can maneuver around the thorns and grab the leaves. But the inside of the giraffe's mouth, the, the palate is thick and the, the skin is thick and so that the thorns don't injure it. And they just love these trees, but they don't live long. These trees only live about 30 years max. So I got a question for you, Matthew, before before you interrupt me. I know you're going to do it. Okay. Okay, Matt, does Acacia have prickles, spines, or thorns? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I was... <laughs> I was going to say it's muscular because it's dealing with the dealing with the giraffe. I would say thorns. What? Thorns, right? So, yeah. what is a prickle, Lynn? A prickle is an extension of the dermis, the, the actual just the skin of the plant. Strong or weak? It's weak. Okay, and what about a spine? 
spine is a modified leaf. Weak or, weak or strong? Uh, kind of in between. Okay. It's, 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 it's stronger than a purple. A thorn is a modified twig, branch, and it's the strongest. Yes, absolutely. Huh. There you go, Matt. Your mom's good. I never find completely. It. Yes, I, again, she's a she's a complete wonder. Here's the issue, though, is that thornless roses are not actually thornless at all, right? No, they're they're actually called prickles. You're so right. they should be prickleless roses. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got to change the labeling. That's completely ridiculous. And you really have to watch when you start lumping these all together when you say they're a bunch of thorny trees, right, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> CRTC, that was not me, by the way. Yes, uh, I give you my dad's address. Okay, okay Matt, here's, wait, wait, wait. Here's a really cool fact. Yep. Why do, okay, why do acacia only live 20 or 30 years? Because the giraffe just decimates them. No, oh. actually, because they, they dropped so many of these pods. Remember, they look, they look like a bean, right? Yeah. So they like a pea pod or a bean pod, that kind of idea. And they drop them and the seeds fall and they reproduce very quickly and they grow fast. So, you know, yes, along comes the giraffe and munches on them, but they reproduce very quickly. So they, re- they actually can, you know, change out your population quite readily. So what's the, sorry, what, have we talked about the age of these things or, or what do they, what do they? Uh, 20, what, 30 years. I that's it. It's nothing. That's it. Yeah. They're not, they're not a big tree either. They're more like, uh, they're... Well, they're more than a big shrub, but they're not a big tree. So then the question being is here is, did the acacia tree evolve to the height of the giraffe or did the height of the giraffe evolve to the height of the of, of the acacia tree? The giraffe evolved to the height of the tree. Okay. Good to know. Awesome. 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 Okay, guys. All right. We are going to move on because there is some stuff coming. Where do we head next? It's up to you, Matt. You can do Baobab. Oh, Baobab want. is cool. Okay, okay. We have to leave the two heavy swatters until the very end, okay? So let's do Baobab, but I don't want to hang out long because there are, ladies and gentlemen, there are two coming that you're just not going to believe. All right, Baobab. What makes this thing, what would, what would make this thing untreeleavable? It's a succulent. What? A Baobab tree is a succulent. Okay, so for our audience that doesn't know, a succulent would be something like a jade plant. Yes, Dad? Yes. So what it does, Matthew, is during times of drought, it will have already stored water so it can get through periods of drought. So it, during the rainy season, it will collect water, store it in its tissues, and then when it's dry, it can go ahead and it can actually have water there during, the t- during dry periods. So it's an amazing tree, Matthew. Holy. This, this tree is good all the way around because it also makes a fruit that's very nutritious. It lives to be a 1,000 years old. If you look at pictures of them, the trunks of these trees, they look like a big swollen bottle. And then they have the the little roots with the roots on top. Yeah, Yeah, it's a really strange tree. And its speed is is pollinated by bats and lemurs. I'm sorry. Hold on a second. It's pollinated by bats. Bats and levers? No, not levers. Yeah, lemur, lemurs. 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 Yeah. What are, what are levers? What are that? Lemurs. It's a simple yeah. machine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And why do I... Am I associating this tree with, with Africa? Is that... Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Especially in Madagascar. Gotcha. Too. Okay. Because I don't know why that, that this is one that tends to jump out at me when it comes to, when it comes to Africa. Right? Now, traditional African folklore has taught people it teaches that this is a magic tree this tree is a good tree it, it doesn't really want rot they're fire resistant during the rainy season they store water in their swollen trunks they provide water in the dry season they provide food and they can even be used for cloth and rope this tree is a real do-gooder and on top of that matt when they are pollinated by bats Bats are like the number four thing out there that will pollinate our plants that have flowers on them. What? Okay, yeah. Bats are number four. So what would be one through three, Lenny? Oh. Any idea? Okay, hold on. Hold on, mom, 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 mom. You have to let me in on this. Okay, number one has to be bees. Yeah. You got yeah. it. Okay, number two, is it an Butterflies. insect? Butterflies. Butterflies. Okay, so no. Number one is bees. Number two is hummingbirds. Number three is butterflies. Number four is bats. Number five is ants. Number six is beetles. Number seven is rodents. Number eight is lemurs. Number nine is possum. And number 10 is lizards. Lizards? Lizards pollinate. Absolutely, Matthew. 
everything pollinates, even our little friend, Tagus, ad, no, Aegypti, right? Mosquitoes. Yes. Tagus, Aegypti. Wow. But, but, Maddie, if the bees are the superstars, let's say they pollinate roughly 35% of our food during the day, how much food is being pollinated by our little friend, the bats, at night? 10%. Mom? 80. What? 80%. 80% of any flowering plants, it doesn't necessarily have to be food per se, but just think about that. 80% of your your night your nighttime blooms that are, are out there are being pollinated by bats. Okay, wait, wait a minute. Hold on now. 80%, okay, sorry. What does the number 80% represent? 80% represents the number, uh, the amount of plants that are being pollinated by the bats at night. Yeah. So anything Plants. being pollinated overnight, it's 80% bat. It's 80% bats. Now, moths are out there as well. Moths are good too. But bats, we can't do without bats, Matthew. So, okay. What's the percentage then of, would you know the entire percentage of pollination across the board that's being done by bats? I would again. They're only pollinating at night, so it's eighty. Should be an overall. Overall, like if you take everything being pollinated, would bats represent five percent? Half. Wouldn't half. it be? Wouldn't half. it be half? If no wind pollination's in there too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So no, it wouldn't be half, but it would be almost. I would imagine it's similar to bees. Myself personally, and see that makes me feel bad because. At the beginnings of all this pandemic stuff, and they've gone now on to prove that it's not necessarily completely factual, but the bat was one of the creatures that was thought of to be the starter of all of this coronavirus crap, right? And sure. now you feel bad. Yeah, sure. Wow. I remember living in the country and out on the Gore Road in, in, in the Caledon area, and you, you would go outside in the backyard in the middle of the night or, or at night, and, and, there, and there'd be bats everywhere, constantly. Bats all over the place. I know, Matt. It's a. I actually, I remember with Sega Butcher, Matt. I used to throw rocks at them to try. Are to you see serious? The bat. It doesn't work, by the way. The bats are too quick. But we used to, as kids, we used to see if we could. We could. We used to call it. Uh, we used to go bat hunting. Okay, we would take a pebble and we would try to see if we could hit a bat, and it never worked. Okay, I would honestly, Matt, I wouldn't do that today. I would never even consider it. No. But, uh, no. No. Okay. All right. Are we on to now some of the really, really insane stuff? You want to do your yes. K-pop tree quick? Okay, K-pop. Oh. Okay, K-pop quick, and then we got to end with the two. What the WTFs? Okay, K-pop tree. We actually stumbled upon this because of our show. Put your plants on, and the K-pop seed pod delivers, or it, it has this fiber inside of it that is being used to create fabric, and it's wonderful. So, so my parents were. They all look at the K-pop fabric and this and that. So when we did the landline that week, and for those that are not watching, the landline is our live to stream show, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter via Periscope. Uh, if you haven't caught it live, no problem. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on TGS Live. Everything is there on replay. By the way, while I'm on it now, the Growing Season has its own Facebook page. Okay, so if you go on Facebook and search Growing Season Canada Design Install, it'll come up and you'll know it's us because it has the little growing season logo. So please hit us a like, like our page on Facebook and it uh, it will keep you up to date and everything that we're doing. Facebook seems to be our area that we're getting the most traction. But anyway, so if you- So we got to make it quick, Matt, because uh, yep. again, they're all covered with spines and yep. especially the younger trees themselves have them. But Matt, the, they're, they, uh, the seeds are, are spread around in, by uh, the wind because the seeds are light and they get blown around very easily. And they, they have some adaptations where they can they grow fairly tall, tall enough, especially in the rainforest, so they, they can catch breezes so that, again, the seeds will blow around. Yep. But they also have a tendency to, because they're tall, they actually kind of steal water, okay? So when they're up there, they're one of the trees that have, a, have adapted to be able to get water more easily in times of drought. So I just thought that was a cool thing huh. that we would just hit on. Yeah, so and you also again visit show bits. Look at the um, look at the trunk on this thing. This is something that you do not want to climb, not no. at all in any way. Okay, 
here we go. Getting into the main event here. This is one that I stumbled on. This is called the Dragon's Blood Tree. Okay? Now, the reason why they call this thing, and, and it's, sorry, it's actually called the Socotra Dragon Tree, but when they cut it, the sap is the color of blood. Now, again, growingseasoncanada.com, click on show bits. That picture that you are looking at right now, that has not been doctored. That is the color of the sap on this thing. Guys, am I correct? This thing is native to Yemen? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, particularly one island or one a group of islands, one archipelago, like is it the Socotra Archipelago? It's native to. And uh, it's a very interesting tree. It's a relative to agave. Right. So it's uh, vodka. Sorry, yeah. vodka. No, no, no. no. Uh, uh, tequila. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's a succulent. It's a succulent plant. I guess it would have to be because the island it's on is extremely dry. <laughs> but okay. you, you know what, Matthew? It lives like 600 years. So this sucker lives a long time. And it'll take a hot desert kind of island environment, Matt. And it's especially tough even during the driest, driest times of the season. So it's, it's a survivor, Matthew. And now, according to the notes here, this thing is vulnerable to extinction. Basically, yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's but, getting... you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Chew up, Matthew. It does something very similar to our little friend, Sequoia Sempervirens over in, say, uh, places like California. What is that? I don't know. OK, so what about the fog? Oh, it, it, oh, it does the um, it, it releases the terpenes and pinenes type thing. No, actually, what it does is when the fog is around, it collects the morning mist oh, that sweeps in across cool. the mountains and cool. uses that as a backup water supply during times of drought. Isn't that the coolest thing in the world? That's absolutely awesome. Okay, we're getting short on time here. Got to make sure that we leave some time. There's something called the sandbox tree. Mom, why in God's name is this thing called a sandbox tree? Well, I'll tell you right now, I would not plant this tree anywhere near my child's sandbox. Okay? okay. It's called the sandbox tree because it has these fruits on it. They look like little pumpkins. And when they literally explode and their seeds fly out, back, say, two or three hundred years ago, before blotting paper was invented, people would take the little uh, fruits. Once the seeds are out, they were like little bowls and they would put sand in the bowls and use it for blotting their quills and I guess their fountain pens or something. That's why. But you would not want this tree anywhere near a child's sandbox. This thing is poisonous, all kinds of poisonous. The fruit's poisonous. But it's also a weapon too. Yeah. Now, you made mention of the fruit exploding. Yeah. The fruit fruit can explode, okay? (laughs) When it gets ripe, it explodes and the seeds fly out it makes a noise it sounds like a gunshot wait a minute then so tell them so matthew get this they travel okay so when the when the these are actually the seeds explode okay and so what happens they travel at 160 miles per hour or 70 meters per second and they say that they can expel the seeds 100 meters okay wait a minute, when wait, they explode why do, why is the fruit a grenade why does it explode it's got to be an environmental adaptation for whatever reason. And actually, another name for it is the dynamite tree. <laughs> but you know what, Matt? Betty, do you want to know something really funny? I, I look up, I always want to find out life expectancy of a tree, right? Yeah. So anyway, I looked it up, and they said, life expectancy of this tree. And they said, unknown. And then I kind of like, why is it unknown? And they said, because the blasted thing never dies okay they say that it can grow up to uh 90 to 130 feet 27.5 meters up to what is that 39.5 meters but matt they say it will not die okay and they say well is there ways that you can go about killing this thing okay and they say if a person was growing it and so forth and they say well they use the old copper nail treatment you know where you take the copper nail and you would drive copper nails into the into the trunk of the tree and the idea is that after a while, it will poison it. It will shut down. The, so it can't physically draw food or water, okay? Okay. But that, <laughs> they said you cannot take a chainsaw to this sucker and cut it off in the ground because it does not care. It will just grow right back again. Now, 
one thing is you do not have to worry about it growing around here. It grows in Costa Rica, Peru, and Brazil, and as well as the West Indies. This growth zone is zone 10 to 11. So we have no concerns here. Okay. It does like to grow in clay soil, so thank heavens it's not in our zone or it'd be growing in Bramley. But, but the fruit explodes. Like it explodes. Yeah. Sounds like a gunshot. <laughs> I, I know Matthew. It's it's one of those guys out there that you you know you think that the uh, the sunburst uh, locust okay yeah. you know the big thorns on it okay so yeah. you think that's bad okay well this thing makes it look like it's it's bigger brother okay because wow. it is just deadly but Matt what the heck it it's part of nature it's part of our ecosystem so. It's been around for a long time. They don't really know how old it is. I think it's in the now, 100, 100 million range, hundred million year old range. Is it available in nurseries? Because the way I read, no. read the research <laughs> is no. you're not allowed to plant them because no. they're dangerous. They're weapons. No, it's not allowed, Beth. And that is a wonderful place to press pause. And as usual, the cup runneth over here. Dad, you have one more little piece of information. Make it very, very, very quick. Okay, Matthew. So what does the K-Pok tree have to do with... The leaf and flower going on on a Amelanchier canadensis, downer service berry. So are they, you saying that they're similar? They're very similar. What do they do? Okay, so on the Amelanchier canadensis, again, there's a Latin alert, probably the first Latin alert in the extra of any of our shows. Uh, Amelanchier canadensis, it flowers out before it leaves. Actually, it's, it's one of the first to flower in the spring. That's my boy. <laughs> Wait a minute. So the, so the, so the, so the K-Pok also does that too? Absolutely does that. Yep. Cool. That's awesome. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. Visit there for show bits here. Obviously, you're going to be wanting to tune into that. If you've missed the show or you've missed pieces of it, no problem. The shows are always podcasted. In fact, we drop the podcasted version right into show bits. So you would hit play and then follow in chronological order. Even so, you can also just hit podcast, GrowingSeasonCanada.com, and just every single show that we do is up there, as well as TGS Live. If you, if you click on that button, you get all of our episodes of The Landline. It's a virtual growing season encyclopedia or library. She's Lynn, he's Jack, I'm Matt. And as usual, guys, we always end with a joke. This week, though, the joke is in, is in honor of your wedding anniversary. We recently made mention that my parents celebrated their 46th wedding anniversary. And all I can think of, guys, is why do you keep getting married so often? Because it's a wonderful experience. Yes, yes, yes. Mom? Till next time, have a good one, and please be safe. Liddy, here's to 46 years more. Love you all the time. Love you forever. Yeah, same with you, Jack. I love you forever and a day. Jack, out. If you miss any part of our show today or any of our earlier broadcasts, don't panic. Just log on to our website at www.saga960am.ca backslash podcasts and look for and stream our podcasts of this show and any of our other great programs. 